Welcome to That's No Bull podcast with your host, Terry Nearance, on the Kapow Radio Show Network. Real people, real talk, real solutions. CBD oil, all the way back to the farm it came from. All to ensure that you and your business are offering safe, effective, and high-grade CBD products. Including CBD tinctures, topicals, and soft gels. Botanical face masks, hemp-based hair and body care products, CBD bath bombs, CBD fruit gummies, CBD coffee, even CBD products that are good for your pets. Recognized by the U.S. Hemp Authority Seal of Approval, HempWorks isn't just the CBD leader in product quality, variety, and innovation. We're actually helping to build a safer hemp industry from seed to shelf. Learn more and become an affiliate today. Welcome, everybody. This is Terry Narens, and the show is called That Snowball. What we do is talk about truth here, and we try to give you as much valid information as we have to offer. Our guest today is Dr. Vern Kilborn. He is a retired chiropractor, but he has an active medical license. He's kept it, and I'll let Vern tell you a little bit about that end of things. Today, we're going to talk about the essential six. It is so hard these days with everybody's busy schedules and work and trying to raise the kids and keep everything together to get all of the daily nutritional needs. So we're going to focus on what you can do if you can't do a complete protocol of all your daily needs, we're going to focus on these essential six that Dr. Kilborn is going to talk about. Hi, Vern. Welcome. Nice to have you here today. Anyone else that's listening, I'm glad to be here with you today. In fact, I'm happy to be anywhere today. <laughs> I don't like the alternatives. <laughs> yeah, this thing. Waking up this side of the pavement is always a good day, right? So, Vern, or Dr. Vern, would would you care to tell the audience a little bit about your background and why you are now retired as opposed to being an active practitioner? Well, in most any situation, I would be retired at this point in my life anyway, that at age 87 next month, I try to stay active, but I had to leave my chiropractic practice early because many years ago, I had to crash in a hang glider fractured two vertic- uh, cervical vertebrae and became a quadriplegic. So after that time, I was not able to practice anymore, but over the years, I've gradually come back from being a quadriplegic. And now the recovery line and old age are crossing. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the things I recovered from being a quadriplegic are now plaguing me because of age-related situations. But uh, even though I haven't practiced actively for 40 years, I have still kept my license active. I continued with my continue uh, which is 20 hours per year, we renew every two years, and so we're required to have 40 hours of continuing education every year. Where do you take your continuing education courses? Well, I take some of them online, and up until the pandemic hit, I was able to pick up those hours by going to seminars and conferences. Now we do those uh, on Zoom or some other over-the-wire things, but now we're able to get them all online if we choose to do so. And those courses keep you up to date with the latest innovations, technologies, and 
breakthroughs? Yes, and that, that's one of the reasons I've always been interested in my profession and to see what's happening and new developments that are coming along. See, for so many years, uh, we as a chiropractic profession knew that something was happening when we worked with the spine, but we weren't sure why. We, we couldn't prove it, but now, recent years, when they've come up with all of this microcircuitry, particularly electrical impulses and currents, and the electronic microscopes, we're able to prove the validity of the chiropractic profession. And so I want to up abreast of, of what is happening within the profession and particularly with healthcare in general, because uh, our healthcare is dropping through the cracks here. Well, you know, they seem to be pushing an awful lot of medicines on the television lately. I mean, when I was a kid, I would never see commercials that you could actually request a specific medication from your doctor because you know more about it than the doctor probably does at this point. There are so many commercials. I feel the medical profession's almost trying to create customers rather than cures. Well, I think that's the pharmaceutical companies, and I really uh, feel sorry for the medical doctors because they they don't have control of their own profession anymore. And maybe I'll offend people, some people, by saying that, but they really don't. They they are uh, established. They have to be within an established protocol. And if they don't meet that protocol, then they're not very welcomed. Well, and those protocols lately are set by insurance companies, people who aren't even medical professionals. Oh, yes. That, when I was dealing with um, insurance companies when I was in practice, they were the ones that were calling the shots. Uh, without qualification why they were saying what people could do and what they couldn't do. So That's, that disturbs me somewhat. I'm sure. So let's get into recommendations. I, it is so hard nowadays. A lot of our food is processed and um, doesn't contain the nutrients that we really expect it to. So what is our best course of action? We need those nutrients to survive, but if we can't get them, what do we do? Well, the only avenue that's open to you without uh, getting through your food source, and in some instances, it's impossible to get all of your bodily needs through your diet. Uh, that's, that's a big fallacy because our, our level of nutrients and particularly vitamins and minerals in our soil is depleted. It, we've we've over uh, well, grazed the, our range grounds. We've over plowed and dug up our farmland and taken so much out without replacing it. And what we've replaced it with are these commercial fertilizers that are not easily assimilated into this human body. We're, we're a walking chemical laboratory, whether we know it or not. And in some areas, the soil has been depleted of certain critical elements to start with. Uh, one of them, particularly in this inner mountain area and the state of Utah, particularly because of the ice age millions of years ago and the glaciers moving down across this country, it leached out the iodine uh, properties in the soil. And so Utah, for many years, had the highest rate of goiter of any place in the nation, maybe even in the world. 
And the reason is the soil is lacking in iodine. And so what happens? They put iodine in our salt, iodized salt. That's the reason it's there. But in their great infinite wisdom, when they added the iodine, they put only enough iodine in there to reduce the incidence of goiter. But they did not put enough in there to compensate for the loss of function with the thyroid. The thyroid is dependent on iodine to function properly. And so how many people do you know around you right at this minute as I'm talking that have thyroid problems? I just lost my cat to thyroid and goiter. She was old, she was 17, but that's that's what took her was the goiter and the thyroid issues. And that would be the equivalent of 60 to 70 year old for a, for a human, but uh, these things are critical and they say, well, uh, really what's the problem? We can give people uh, thyroxine, we can give all these other thyroid enhancing drugs, but it, it isn't enough in most instances. The damage has already occurred. But one of the things that has been greatly overlooked is the fact that if a mother's thyroid is not working probably, uh, properly and she gets pregnant, the baby is dependent on the mother's thyroid function for its brain development in the first two months of being defeated. And so if, if the mother is deficient in thyroid, that baby can be born with a brain deficiency because it hasn't functioned properly. And huh. this, this is not discussed. Uh, well, I haven't, I haven't heard anyone. It's, the research is there, but nobody pays any attention to it. And it is disturbing. It is. It's very disturbing. So let's get down to the, the six essentials. What do you recommend we do if you can't get it all? What is the bare minimum that we need? Well, there are a few things. Uh, I want everyone listening to understand I'm not prescribing anything here. I'm not selling anything. I'm trying to share information and I'm issuing you a challenge for you to look up some of these things on your own and see what the research says that is not committed and paid for research. That's a, that's a problem. Our, so much of our research that's being done now is done through grants. And when you do that research, if it doesn't reach the understanding by the time you get through with that research if it doesn't meet their wants you don't get any more grants and that's disturbing to me also and so and a lot of people's all oh, that doesn't happen well look it up and see you can find out about it if if you go to the sources that are available to us what are a couple of good sources that people can go to for their own medical research. Well, just get a name and Google it, but don't take one particular uh, place that you go. Be careful that when you get this research that it isn't an ad. They're not selling a product. If they're selling a product that uh, is in favor of what the product you're selling, then fine, they're going to give you the information that proves that. But most right. of it done properly, they have resources that you can go to and check. 
who did the research and when and get many other sources. There's thousands of them out there if you want to take the time to look at it. No. Okay. So like if I were to go on to like the Mayo Clinic or John Hopkins or the American Journal of Medicine, would they would have those types of reports or they're available, but you're not gonna you're not gonna get them because the products that that aren't making those folks money, you're not going to hear about them. If it isn't, that, that's, our, our society is run by greed now. It's, it's greed. It isn't what's best for somebody. It's how much I can make on my bottom line. Yeah. Some of the professions are that. And I'm happy to say that I was never part of that group of professions. So I'm going to ask you a question. Might put you on the line here, or right on the spot. But there's a lot of rumors that doctors will take favors from pharmaceutical reps or gifts to push certain products. Is there any validity to that? Oh, there certainly is. No, I I just won't go there to great detail, but. It's there here uh, several years ago. It was rampant in the, the sale of, of different drugs. And those pushing those products were sent to lavish resorts and received kickback money. And uh, I'm, the, the court files are there. Uh, they, well, you, you can just look it up. Uh, the fines that were levied against pharmaceutical companies. One of them uh, that I looked up recently was $2.3 billion fine. It was the largest fine issued by the FDA. Wow. So th those are available. It is coming from me. And I'm not trying to offend anybody here. But right. This, this happens. And it happens in all professions. Oh, sure. There's good and bad in everybody, you know, or every situation. Some people choose the bad road. Some people choose the better. Yeah. So and yeah. So when you're looking um, for a quality multivitamin, what are some of the things to look for? I, no, there's a lot of people who say some are more assimilatable or similar, easy to assimilate into the body than others. So what should we look for when we're going for multivitamins? <laughs> I guess I might offend somebody here. Maybe I'm stir some interest, but I don't think there's a good multivitamin on the market. No, because they they throw all these things together. You know, they do research and they find out oh, how this seems to work for this. This seems to work for that. So let's throw them all together in a pot here and put them in a tablet or a capsule and, and sell them all of them to everybody. Well, all of us don't need all of those supplements at all one time. And some of them are not assimilated in the body and some of them if they are assimilated they're not the complete vitamin or mineral that we need and i'll bring up vitamin c in particular vitamin c everyone thinks it's ascorbic acid yes it's ascorbic acid but that's only one of the components of vitamin C. You don't find any vitamin that's in and of itself. It is always combined with some other not vitamin or mineral or some other component, biological component. That, uh, 
just by taking the vitamin C and it's just ascorbic acid is like buying a brand new automobile that doesn't have an engine and transmission. You are not getting what you think you're paying for. That's just one, one example. So how do we determine? I mean, as somebody who really is just a layperson doesn't know that much about these supplements and stuff, we'd go to a health food store, we would be lost. You know, and I'm sure that the people at the health food store just want to sell, sell, sell. So what, what should we be careful of in particular? Well, you need to read labels and if you can determine the source of where it's coming from. Uh, calcium is, is one of the biggest ripoffs in our country right now. They're promoting calcium and uh, it's gotta be uh, coral calcium, it's gotta be seashell, it's gotta be oyster shell. The list goes on and on of trying to sell these. The, the, probably the biggest one on the market is calcium carbonate. And study after study shows that calcium carbonate is not readily absorbed by the body. Calcium lactate is. Now don't get calcium lactate mixed up with dairy products. Calcium lactate is calcium from a plant source. That's the easiest one. You have bone meal calcium, but you need to be careful about bone meal calcium because most of the bone meal calcium has come from cattle that have been fed the growth hormones. So you need to try and find out if that calcium comes from range cattle that have not been fed all of the growth building hormones and fattening. Uh, diets uh, to get them on the market sooner at a heavier weight. It, it's hard to find those. So can I just interject a question here? The growth hormones you mentioned, there was a rise from probably the time I was in my early 20s up until the present time of young women, young girls, developing at a far younger age than I remember them developing when I was a child. Could that be due to those growth hormones? Well, I'm convinced it is. I'm, I may be wrong because I, I've never been accused of being a scientist and I don't claim to be, but I certainly can follow resource uh, or uh, research that has been done I think I mentioned in one of our other shows, I've never been to the North Pole, but I believe there is a North Pole because there's enough people that's been there and they know it's there, even though with the new GPS, it isn't where it's supposed to be. It's still there. So that's what I feel like with the research. I do enough from different resources and trying to verify and then come to a conclusion. And that's what I'm asking anyone else to do. Get your own conclusion. Don't rely on someone that has not been trained in nutrition to tell you what to do. And I don't want to offend anybody here, but medical doctors are not trained in nutrition. In, in the four, five or six years that they go through their medical school, they're given less than 10 hours. Most of them, it's four or five hours in nutrition. You that up yourself if you want to. Don't take my word for it. Hmm. But so, even when you take those no nutrition courses, you had mentioned that our food chart, the one that we've always been taught in health classes and science classes, is upside down. Yes. How many times were you told to stay away from fatty foods? Oh, don't uh, eat butter. Don't all the time. Margarine. You, you can't eat avocados. Why? Oh, they're fattening. They'll, they'll kill you. They give you cholesterol. 
Well, that's garbage. Now they're, they're finding that you need more fats in your diet, but it has to be the right kind of fats. So find out which are the good kinds of fats and which aren't. And uh, I'll, I'll start you out on your program a little bit in mentioning some of those. Corn oil, particularly. That's a vegetable oil that is a bad fat. They, uh, the first thing they do with these vegetable oils is to uh, uh, put them in the, oh, I've lost the word. Uh, oh, that. Yes, uh, hydrogenated, hydrogenated. Okay. Any, anything that is hydrogenated, you want to stay away from it like it's a plague. Why? It, it has upset when, when they hydrogenate it, they add extra hydrogen molecules to that substance and it makes it hard. That margin and these other things are liquid and they make a solid out of them. To do that, they have to alter the chemical properties of it. And so that gives you a free radical of hydrogen out there. You know, they talk about um, uh, oh, uh, dehydrated foods leave oh antioxidants. Uh-huh. Antioxidants. Well, it has nothing to do with oxygen. You don't want to have an antioxidant. Right. Oxidant, oxygen. And so it is not the oxygen molecule they're concerned about. They're talking about the free radical hydrogen that comes out of it. And that creates these trans fatty acids that are in the bad fat. And what do those do to our bodies? Well, that's resulting in cholesterol, heart disease, atherosclerosis, uh, and arteriosclerosis. See hardening of the arteries. Yeah. One of them's hardening, the other one is fattening of the arteries. And it, it causes this. It, it doesn't break down good in, in your body, but these oils that are the good fats, they're fatty acids, and they're essential fatty acids. You have to have them. And that's why the push is on now and has been for several years. Finally, after something we've been saying for over 50 years, you, you need the fish oils you need the good oils like from avocados. You, you need the oils from uh, nuts. Most all of, all of the nuts have the uh, good oils in them. Coconut? Walnuts particularly, coconut. Um, I'll discuss uh, coconut oil a, a little bit more, but the, the hydro, hydrogenous things that they produce and look on the labels and most all of your cookies and things that, that are produced in the bakeries have hydrogenated shortening in them. Mm -hmm. The reason they do that is because they don't spoil quickly. They mix them in there so that you don't get the spoilage rate. But a result, you, you're developing uh, eventually these uh, triglycerides and things that come when these subjects or these uh, foods uh, articles break down. 
Are triglycerides are fats in your blood? Yes, that's that's been the problem with with the, the cholesterol thing. And here again, it can be backed up by research. It's the triglycerides that are problems. It's not the cholesterol. The cholesterol is there more as a result of the triglycerides. And it, it isn't the problem because you have to have cholesterol for your bodily functions. And I see, say people, what's the level of, of cholesterol? Well, zero. Zero cholesterol and you're dead. Mm. So it, it's got to be within certain operational ranges. But it's the triglycerides that are responsible mostly for kicking that out of balance. And then we get back to this thing about um, the omega three fatty acids, omega-6 fatty acids. There's a difference between the two. One's good, one's bad, correct? Absolutely. The, the uh, omega-3s are the ones that are the healthy ones. Now, the omega-6s supposedly help to bring down the cholesterol level. But... The inflammatory reactions that come from the omega-6s outweighs whatever benefit you get from the cholesterol uh, lower, being lowered. The vitamin or the omega-3 will lower the cholesterol level and the components of, of fish oil, you, you have the omega-3s and your omega-6s, but there's a, a ratio between the omega-3s and the omega-6s. The ratio should be one to four. One omega-3 for four of the omega-6. That's completely out of balance now. The One of the reports that I saw here recently was from 2002. And uh, the, at that time, it was the ratio they figured was was one to seventeen. And wow! I went to a conference uh, two years ago. I haven't been to any conferences since the pandemic, but the last one I went to two years ago, it was up into the mid twenties, one to twenty, and maybe even one to thirty. Oh! And, uh, the people that know genetics and supposed evolution and all this stuff which I don't get into because it's it's out of my realm. I don't have the background for that. But they say if this keeps going, it's going to extinct the human race eventually. But maybe the pandemic will take care of the human race before that. Well, they certainly keep saying we're going to be destroyed from one reason or another every couple of years here. It's always something different. So let's talk a little bit about vitamin D and the difficulties, especially here in the desert. We both live in Beaver Dam in the middle of the Mojave Desert and our exposure to sunlight, which is a great source of vitamin D, is just not that available. I mean, we're out for 10 minutes, sometimes we could burn. So what do we do? Well, vitamin D is very, very important. For years, we've been vitamin D efficient. Now you say, oh, how can that be? Well, that can be because all so much of this vitamin D that they were putting in everything, it was enriched in milk, it was enriched in bread, it was enriched in everything you picked up. But it was not the type of vitamin D that the body assimilates. And the, the vitamin D is critical in so many of the physiological processes in our body. And so in, in this area, this hemisphere that you're talking about, it's almost a necessity to take vitamin D as a supplement. 
because if you go out into the sun to try and get enough vitamin D that's produced through sunlight on your skin, you're going to wind up with skin cancer. Amen. That it's there. Yeah. And I can tell you for sore because just last August, I had a transplant of skin right here on my nose for skin cancer that came from exposure to the sun. Hmm. So it, you cannot get the vitamin D enough of it out of your skin without causing skin cancer. So you need to supplement it. So they've got like the gel caps that are vitamin D, it's an oil, or they have the drops they sell in oil. Is that the easiest type to take? Well, you, there are several different sources of um, for vitamin D. Some of it is from plant source, and others of it is uh, animal source. But there's a trend now to maybe start going to rather than tablets to uh, get to the liquid things. I, I've just started doing some of those things the last past few years to, I think, better assimilate the vitamins and minerals through, through a, a liquid state rather than tablets. And my preference has always been capsules or a powder rather than a tablet. Uh, I personally don't like to take a tablet and have it set in my stomach right against my stomach lining, which is very, very delicate. It's, it's your stomach lining is tissue thin. The only thing that protects it is the mucus that's produced from the cells out of your stomach lining that protects you. So I'm going to interject something. You mentioned something the other day about every time we take one aspirin, what happens? Well, and here again, this is not me speaking. It's come from the research. But the claim is that, uh, and they just say, for every aspirin tablet is a teaspoonful of blood. It, wow. it makes uh, the stomach lining bleed. So I don't even remember the last time I took an aspirin, but the last time I did, I chewed it up in my front teeth and held it there between my teeth and lips and then took a great big gulp of water to wash it down because I don't want an, an aspirin or any other tablet just sitting on my bottom stomach against that lining and then have the peristalsis and contractions of the stomach uh, irritating it. I think that's so where a lot of stomach problems come from. Well, and aspirin is a blood thinner, and I know that they put a lot of people on a, a regimen of taking an aspirin a day if they've got slight heart issues. Yes, and and uh, these things are necessary. I, you know, I'm uh -huh. not. The medicine's bad. We, we, the only problem is, is that we're trying to cure things all the time when we should be concentrating on the prevention. Mm. And we are not doing that. We have supposedly the, the healthiest society in the world, and yet our, our sickness and death rates and everything are going out the toilet. It, we're just not keeping up. We're, we're becoming a sick nation. We're not becoming a healthy nation. We've got to do something to change it because the the status quo is not working. So there was a mention here on the multi, we're going back to the multivitamins. There was a mention about making sure that when you do take supplements, you get a good quality supplement that is copper free. Why? Why is that important? Well, I've, I've heard this comment, and uh, copper 
is one of the, the things that's necessary in bodily function. Now, if there's a deficiency of copper, then it can cause in circulatory problems, but too much of it can cause some circulatory problems. But as a general rule, copper does not need to be supplemented. There's enough copper in most of the foods that we eat that if we're eating a fairly normal diet, we should be getting enough copper. But in the event that uh, we might be getting too much of it, then we should maybe back off of that unless we determine that we are deficient in the copper because some of these things can have some uh, unsatisfactory results. They, and the reason I'm, I'm saying that uh, I would go along with not taking the copper is because this statement was made when I heard about it uh, from a Dr. Dan Murphy. Uh, he's, uh, I feel, one of the, the top nutritionists in this country at the present time. And he made that statement, and so I'm going to take it at face value. I'm going to take it to the bank that he had a reason for saying that or he would not have said that. I've been to many of his, his seminars and he's, he's a recognized authority on nutrition. If I really need answers to something, I will research Dr. Dan Murphy. Mm. Good to know and good for everybody else to keep in mind as well. So now uh, the number four, um, it's magnesium and, and our essential six is magnesium and what does what does magnesium do for us exactly well I really don't have time today or to tomorrow or next week to go into all the details of what magnesium does for us oh wow that much that, I guess that's one of my uh, my pet things right now that uh, that's really come to my attention. I've been taking supplement supplemental magnesium for years because magnesium is the the catalyst for at least sixty. That's six old sixty different physiological processes in the human body. And it's probably the, the most lacking mineral in our diet right now. A report I got several weeks ago said that probably 80% or more of our population is deficient in magnesium. Wow. Now, let, let me read I'll, I'll read this list because I, I can't bring them from memory, but uh, magnesium deficiency symptoms. Okay, loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, weakness, numbness, tingling, Muscle contraction and muscle cramps is one of the primary ones. Seizures and abnormal heart rhythms. Hmm. All of these are some of the symptoms of magnesium deficiency. Now, they, they don't very often even check for your magnesium level. But when they do, and if they do, pay attention to what it says. And if you are on the lower part of the, the magnesium, then take enough magnesium to get you in the higher. And sometimes that's double and triple. Now, I have 
more than doubled my magnesium intake this last six or eight months. Wow. I can feel a difference. What types of foods do you normally contain magnesium or is it pretty much a variety? Well, it comes in a, a lot of different things, but the need for it is so critical that I don't feel that you can get enough of it by diet. Okay. I, I just, my, my belief is, is not that. I, I myself take the magnesium as a supplement because it, it's, it's so much in demand. One of them is, is uh, stress. Stress depletes the magnesium probably quicker than anything. And I don't know anybody in our society now that is not living under stress. Right. So when people get leg cramps, normally they, they put those leg cramps off to being a potassium deficiency. Could it be that it's a mag actually a magnesium deficiency and it may not be a potassium issue at all? Yes. The, that, that's the thing that, uh, another thing in our society, we try to fit everything in a box. You have leg cramps and you say, well, that's, that's potassium, you won't have any more leg cramps. Well, that isn't the only reason for leg cramps. Another one is lactic acid. Your, your body uses glucose for energy. That's where it comes from. Well, the byproduct of glucose metabolism is, metabolism is lactic acid. And so then if you have these uh, exercises or something and, and uh, you use up a lot of sugar, just in your daily activities, you're using the sugar and your, your uh, byproduct is lactic acid. So if that builds in up in your muscles, it's going to give you leg cramps. Not enough calcium can give you leg cramps. Mm. It isn't just one thing. So try and determine uh, what it is. And I'll, I'll mention something that a lot of people probably haven't even thought about. But lactic acid supposedly is a heart stimulant. Supposedly, your heart muscle uses the lactic acid for energy. Well, because they say it's a stimulant. Well, to me, when you look at, at what is a stimulant, a stimulant can both be good and it can be bad. Now, if I come up behind you and jab you in the butt with a hat pin, that <laughs> is a stimulant. Yeah, and not it's a good point. kind of dangerous because you're probably going to get your teeth knocked out when the person mm -hmm. reacts to that stimulant. And I feel that this stimulant to the, to the heart is actually irritating the heart and stimulating it to beat faster because it wants to get rid of it. Yeah, so when I... Be way out in left field. But I don't know when I after I've had that adrenaline rush. You know, if I'm working on adrenaline for a long time, like when I do theater and stuff, when I'm finished, I feel like I've been hit by a shock. When you start yeah. to come down off that adrenaline rush, and that's like you said, the buildup of the lactic acid, it hurts. <laughs> it's pretty yes, painful. it does. It, and so. You, you have to determine where your problem is coming from. There is no panacea. There, it just doesn't exist, but that's a problem. We get professions say, oh, well, I can cure that. Oh, I, I can do this, I can do that. You can't do anything. It's the human body that reacts to what it has to work with. And most of the time, if you provide that body with what it needs, it will take care of the wants and needs. And how many times you heard people, well, I, I've got this, this brand new ointment here. Now, this ointment is so good that 
it'll heal a cat's butt over in five days and grow hair on it. Well, that, that doesn't work. If that ointment is so good, try putting on the sore of a cadaver, a dead body. It won't do a thing. Without the resources going on in that body, nothing happens. Well, it's like the computer saying, garbage in, garbage out. Same goes with your body. Put garbage you in. What you, eat. you are what you eat. I don't know who to give that credit for that statement, but it's the truth. You, right. You, you can't get something from nothing. And uh, we're so dependent on our plant life for our existence. Every single day, we need to have nitrogen in our diet. That, that's critical. No, nobody ever talks about nitrogen much anymore. Mm. But that goes along with the omega-3 fatty acids and the, the nitrogen in conjunction with, with the magnesium, the calcium, the phosphorus, and potassium, and all these things that go into these chemical properties. But they don't pay enough attention, I don't think, to nitrogen. So you have to get your nitrogen through your plant source, your, your green vegetables, uh, most all of them contain an adequate amount of nitrogen. Alfalfa hay for horses is, is high in nitrogen. But <laughs> I, I, I wish I had a little chart to show you. Do you know how much nitrogen is available to you every day, every single day, every breath you take, how much nitrogen is available to you, but you're not using even a cubic centimeter of it. You mean what comes out of the air we breathe? I know yeah. it, it's probably pretty high because the air that we breathe contains only 21% oxygen even. So yeah. the rest of it mostly is nitrogen. Okay. percent of the air you breathe is nitrogen and it does not wow. do one ounce of good. I don't care if you huff and puff all day long. It doesn't do you one ounce of good other than it keeps your lungs filled out and helps the oxygen be transported. But you have to get the nitrogen because the plant absorbs the nitrogen out of the air. And then you eat the nitrogen because it's been converted by the plant's physiology. And then you can use the nitrogen. Well, when you're talking about eating the dark leafy greens too, there's another one of our essentials there for the vitamin K. Don't, doesn't the dark leafy greens contain vitamin, a lot of vitamin K? Yes, and that, that's something that you, you need to be, well, not really careful because I don't think the, the vitamin K that you get from your plants is going to do a whole lot with your, your blood clotting. You know, people would have to be careful with vitamin K if they're taking a blood thinner. Mm -hmm. These things just... There's things that just don't combine, they don't mix. They shouldn't be used together. But, so if you're doing anything like that and there's any question, make sure you check with your health care provider and see what's happening. You know, I know you mentioned that some people you know can't eat the green leafy uh, vegetables and can't maybe get the vitamin K. Right. There, there are other sources for that. But my thoughts on if they can't uh, assimilate the item in the food, that maybe they need help with some digestive enzymes. Okay. Get into there so that they're getting uh, their good digestion. Uh, this is another thing we've talked about before is uh, many of the so-called acid reflux conditions that people have are not acid reflux at all. It's a reaction to uh, putrefied food. If, you're, if your food is not properly digested in your stomach and gets out of your stomach within two to three hours, it putrefies. 
And when that happens, it becomes toxic to you. And so it's going to cause all kinds of disturbance in there that uh, something that I've tried, I, I do it with the person's permission because I, I ask them, well, do you really think you have an acid stomach? Well, yeah, that's what I've been told. Well, has it ever really been checked? Has the pH been checked? Is it really acid? Well, sure, there's going to be acid there because your stomach produces hydrochloric acid. So it needs to be there. But if there isn't enough of it, then your food won't digest properly. And so with, like I say, with their permission, I say, well, take one of these hydrochloric acid tablets and see what it does. Well, common sense will tell you if they have an acid stomach and you give them more acid, it's going to exacerbate the symptom. Very few times when I've ever done that has the person ever said that it caused them any problems. It relieved the condition almost immediately, within 10 or 15 minutes. Hmm. So common sense will tell me that they did not have an acid stomach. Here again, research will show you. If you do the research, it'll tell you that the older a person gets, the less stomach acid they produce. They're deficient in stomach acid. So, and I can agree, I, I can see that. But then all they want to do is pump them full of the Pepsid and all of those antacids. But I have heard that too, that, you know, like some people who have the upset stomach, they think is acid reflux will take a shot of apple cider vinegar or a shot of pickle juice and it calms their stomach down. So that would be because you have not enough acid. You're adding to it to, to alleviate the issue, I guess. So that I, I can see where that makes a lot of sense. So our final, let's, let's, we're gonna wrap this up here. We're running out of time. Let's go into our proteins. Um, that is, that's our final six essential. Why are proteins so important to our body? And what are our best sources for protein? Well, protein is the building block of your your body the, it's the basis for your muscles and bone all of these things go together but protein is your your building block as well as the the energy source that you need and i think we've gone maybe a little bit overboard on some of our uh, protein and uh, carbohydrate diets, uh, protein and too much. And it's like giving uh, a horse too much alfalfa hay. It, it's, it, they just refer to it being too hot for the horse. So the mixture is alfalfa hay and grass and some oats, not just all of the, the protein source. So you can get really too much protein if you concentrate on the diet, if it's done properly, you should have about 30% of your daily calories in fat. And mm. your, your omega-3s, uh, you can get those out of nuts, uh, olive oil, coconut oil, uh, fish oil particularly, and one of the overlooked good sources of uh, your oil is cod liver oil that I'll take a minute here to explain the cod liver oil. You need to have it the, the slow process. It takes months to develop good cod liver oil. If they use the heat and stuff to extract the oil, it ruins it. And it's, it's no good for you. And, and uh, real cod liver oil 
good for Claudio contains all of the vitamin D that you need on a daily basis. Also, I'll just kick that in. But you need to then have your uh, breakdown of uh, carbohydrates, the protein, the fat, and the carbohydrate. The carbohydrates need to be kept to a minimum, but you still need some of the carbohydrates. Well, those are energies too, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. That, that, uh, all of these things have to be converted to glucose for your body to use it as energy. And we won't even attempt to get into the breakdown at the, the cellular level. When it gets down to the cellular level of converting the chemicals to energy, that's when you get into what's called the ATP cycle. Well, magnesium is very critical in that particular cycle to create the energy at the cellular level so you can use it. And that's why I've kind of changed my emphasis on minerals and things here recently is more concentration on the magnesium. But you need to have a balance and one of the, it's not necessarily the Mediterranean diet, but it's very similar to it. That you concentrate your effort on, on proteins that are the natural proteins. And that doesn't mean that get rid of all of the red meats and things. And they said before, well, eat more chicken. Well, that isn't all that necessary either. You can get protein from plant sources. I, I had a note here that I was going to, to tell about some of the the protein sources. But I know peas are a good protein source. Yes, it, most all of your, your vegetables. Mm -hmm. uh, there's flaxseed, which is, which is a good source of, of protein. Um, oh, can't think of the one. Yeah, there's your, you get some protein out of your dairy products, but those should be kind of kept to a, a minimum too because it's we, we just need a balance in our diets we can't just uh, pick out one particular thing if you use too much protein then you're going to get this this reaction that you're not having a balance in your body chemistry your vitamins and minerals are what create that balance so that it, it keeps uh, going, but you need to have the ingredients there for the body to use. And most of them, if you have an excess of them, the body will just dispose of them through the, the urine or the feces or through your skin and, and get rid of them. Uh, there was a caution about uh, the overuse of magnesium. Well, about the only thing that magnesium will cause from the research I've found is that about the worst thing it could do is maybe give you a little bit of diarrhea. Mm. And uh, that's something I mentioned the other day too. Some of us at our age might be able to use a little bit of excess. <laughs> Especially if you're on a trip traveling somewhere. There you go, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to use it, make sure you're close to home. Huh? <laughs> make sure you get enough water in your diet. That's one of the biggest things. Uh, I'll close your remark on that. If you get a headache sometime, you don't know what to do about it, just go drink couple extra glasses of water most of the time 15 or 20 minutes it's gone it's you're suffering from dehydration and you don't even realize it <laughs> simple thing is headache and you want me to leave you one more little reminder please do well they tell say that insomnia 
is really a difficult problem right now. It's the easiest thing in the world. The way to get rid of insomnia is a good night's sleep. <laughs> well, folks, have, you have a good day. Hope to see you again soon. And thanks for joining us today. And until we meet again, we wish you all much peace, love, health, health, and happiness. And that's noble. <laughs> Talk to you later, Vern. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Today's show is brought to you by Hempworks and MyDailySprays.com. My Daily Sprays are the effortless daily wellness in a simple daily spray. The newly formulated daily sprays are delivering more potent effects and more targeted results than ever before. Thanks to a genius little micronized delivery system, daily sprays are the go-to vitamin spray to help your body get what it needs throughout the day. With proven natural ingredients and extensive third-party testing to ensure quality and safety, daily sprays are the pocket-sized way to live each day in health and confidence. To check out MyDailySprays.com, go to www.MyDailySprays.com forward slash Terry Nairns. That's T-E-R-I-N-E-H-R-E-N-Z. www.MyDailySprays.com forward slash Terry Nairns. See you soon.